hello, everyone. Welcome to She Podcast, episode 282. I am your co-host, Jessica Kupferman. With me, as always, the very glamorous and slightly vain Elsie Escobar. <laughs> and always our producer, the slightly shrinking John Jamingo. Hello, ladies. I've missed you. Oh, yeah. That's I know nice. we had like two months of not doing this, right? Uh, two months, two weeks. Two weeks of not. And I would find out like Monday morning. Hey, did we tell you we're not doing We're not Sorry. recording today? No, no, that's fine because I, it's no big deal for me. But I did miss recording with you guys. Now, you guys were huh. still putting out content. I just wasn't there with you. Yeah. You are correct. That was just coincidental. It was just super busy. I have to say, doing online conferences is incredibly time-consuming. Is it not, Jess? Yes. Incredibly time-consuming. Getting ready. I forgot I even did that because I had it. Yeah, we did the conference and then I had to get ready for vacation and then I was on vacation. I have to say the episode that you did with all the mistakes in it was just a normal week. Oh. (laughs) Was it? It was. We did try to act it all out. Didn't really take us very long to just be a mistake yeah. without us even planning. It was like. Oh, it was know. funny yeah. because in the very beginning, you started the show and then all of a sudden Jess says, wait a minute, I got to send out this email real quick. And I'm like. She did that on purpose. She did that on I purpose. I did that on purpose. Elsie, <laughs> doesn't that sometimes happen in the show? Like, no. No. It has well, no, happened. She, I mean, she has done that in the past. The thing is, though, is that she pretends or at least like looks down and like does things really quick while we're having a conversation, usually about tech or data or something that she's not interested in. And then she'll just like, you know, look down a little bit, but be typing away. Yeah. So she'll do that. But I don't say I'm going to be typing now. <laughs> right. Do she it. doesn't, she does not do that. Yeah. No, I don't. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. And I think it was a really informative episode. I think people really had a kick out of it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, we got a little good feedback on social. So that was good yeah. about yeah. that episode. And also, really the other thing is like those sessions are so short that you start talking and then all of a sudden you realize you're halfway done the session. You have a quarter of content covered. You still have all the other things. That's you, Elsie. That's oh. you. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore because I've since learned that yep. how many slides I can fit into like 15 minutes versus a half hour. Right. Like 15 minutes, I really can't go over like 20 slides at best. That's very optimistic. 30 minutes is like, yeah, same thing. Like 30, you should have like one slide per minute. And that's if you have a few fillers in there, like titles. Otherwise, you, if you have no titles and you have, it has to be less. Yeah, I have like every slide is like 10 minutes for me. Yeah, see, then you can only have five. And then the slide, (laughs) this is the way the world began. (laughs) Right. I know. Way back when. Yeah. I started. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks. And then we had the Sky Pillsbury episode where she was on a three-second delay, which was fun oh to record. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was a great episode, what? I have to say. Oh, yeah. I It was one of my favorites. It Aww, really was. Thanks. Listening to you both, I laughed so hard <laughs> you did? at that episode. It was That's so nice. good. It was hilarious. And, John, you did a fantastic – I had no idea there was obviously – there was a three-second delay, but I really enjoyed listening to that episode. Totally I mean, enjoyed it. 
Sky and I do have a good banter, yeah. I have to say. I did have to yes. carve that one up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Yes. But it did, <laughs> it did come out okay. She was smart, though, because she did one of these when she wanted to talk. She like held her hand up so that I would know when to stop. And if we ever have those problems again, which we haven't in a long time since we started doing face-to-face recordings, we used to talk over each other a lot. So instead of saying when she sees the hand up and just instead of going and Sky, she always says, Sky has her hand up, so she probably wants to talk. And I'm like, I guess I have to leave that in there because I don't know how to get that out of there. I think I did get it out of most of them. I don't know why. You just don't have to say it. I don't know why I did. De- I don't it defeats the purpose of the... It's, I don't even know what to say for myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I truly don't. I don't know why I did that. It's so dumb. You're right. So it's been four weeks Super dumb. since the three of us been together because Elsie went to Pittsburgh and then mm-hmm. you guys right. did the other two and then mm-hmm. here we are. Here, here we, we are. are. Oh my gosh. And then Jessica's been gone. So I'd like to start this. Oh, so first of all, before we begin, we, this is a very special episode because we have an interview. We have not had an interview in our show like this. Ever. I don't think ever. You're right. No. Ever. In 280, whatever, second episode now, out of all of these episodes, we've had co-hosts. We have had missing people, right? Like you just had the episode with Sky, and I've had episodes with other people as well. Yeah. But we've never had like, ooh, look, interview in the middle of our show. So that's cool. And we may never do it again, because in the future, if we're going to do interviews, I believe we're going to just offer them to the Super Squad, right? Right. Yes. That that may be a Super Squad only feature where when we interview people you can watch it live and then make comments inside the group so enjoy it today i know enjoy it for today and a possibility of maybe putting the episode out as a bonus like months later or something Mm -hmm. like that well it depends but mostly if you want to engage with our guests um they will be inside of the super squad so we have an interview with the co-hosts of call your girlfriend. How cool is that? So it was exciting. really cool. Call Your Girlfriend, which is a a very popular podcast that turned into a book called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And so we interviewed Anne Freeman and Animatu Sao. They are the writers and journalists behind Call Your Girlfriend, the podcast for long distance besties everywhere. Elsie and I both listened to it via audiobook, and we wanted to interview them because their friendship is similar in a lot of ways, different in some important ones, but very similar enough where we thought it was really interesting because they're co-hosts, but they're also best friends. But their journey to becoming best friends was interesting. And then, you know, how it's served them through their popularity was very interesting. So you'll get to hear all our questions about that later on. Yep. And at the end, after their uh, interview, we'll discuss a little bit some of the things that you won't hear from there, because I I do have some things to say about the topic of friendship, particularly their book as well. Mm -hmm. I really, really, really found it um, enjoyable and quite impactful, I think, truth be told. Yeah, kind of eye-opening. Very eye-opening in a lot of different ways. But before we get started, I'd like to hear about really quickly, fill me in on your vacation because you took one. And I have to say that I had no idea this was happening. It was like- I'm sorry. Everybody's working. We're all like, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. Everybody's like in the zone. And then all of a sudden, two days before you left, I think, it's like, oh, I'm not going to be there to record. Oh, Okay. That's fine. You know, I'm sometimes not there, but she's like, I'm going away for like a week or something. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, we're, uh, okay. I mean, and yeah, so then there was that. So what did you do, Jess? And how did it happen so unexpectedly? Okay, well, let's start with that. So we were invited (laughs) back in June to accompany Isaac's best friend, Benny's parents. So Isaac's friend, Benny, their parents are Matt and Megan, and they have a little girl, Margot, also. And the four of them have a, you know, it's Matt's mother's beach house in Outer Banks. And they asked if we would like to come you know, with Isaac and stay with them for a week. So we were excited and we said yes. It would yes. be weird if Isaac was not invited, but go ahead. Probably, yes. <laughs> Nathan thought it was also weird that he wasn't invited, but no. Anyway, that would have been even weirder. So so then Scott had some kind of like medical anomaly, as he does, and we... <sighs> Sorry, I don't want to. Scott, I love you. I am not laughing at you. As you do. And he needed to get it checked out. It was like some kind of biopsy he had to have, you know, on a lymph node. You know, it it sounded scary and kind of serious. So we kind of were like, well, it's possible we won't be able to go because the last appointment was like Tuesday before we left, which is why I told you on Wednesday that I was going because the whole time I wasn't really sure. And so... Then I also wasn't sure how long I'd be gone for because I, you know, they're very laid back. I'm very laid back. We just never discussed how many days it would be. So like the day or two before I left, I was like, when did you want us to come? And when would you like us to leave? And they told me then. So it was like Saturday, you should come. And then we'll either leave Friday or Saturday to come home. And I was like, cool. And that was it. And then all of a sudden I was going on vacation next week. (laughs) And I just... I know. I didn't mean for it to be such a surprise. And that won't happen again. Like, even if I'm planning something, whether I go or not, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm very sorry about that. I was just, honestly, I've been so involved in finishing the membership that like, I'm in that zone where all I'm doing is thinking about it and sleeping about it and like working on it. So when I get like that, I forget doctor's appointments and other people exist and just whatever. So I, I apologize, but it's very Elsie of you. Because I do crap like was, that all the time. Because, yeah, you're always like, it's I'm like going to Pittsburgh tomorrow. It's like, all yeah. right. Yeah, it's par for the course for me. Okie like, dokie. Yeah, it was, it was just surprising. It was a side. very Elsie trip because yeah. it was also <laughs> nine hours in the car the oh, first right. day because it was pouring and there was right. traffic. And there were kids so, in that car that wanted to poop. So it was nine hours down in North Carolina. It should only have taken like six, but it was towards the end there. It started pouring buckets. And this is when, after we leave Virginia Beach to go towards, you know, it was like Nags Head or whatever. This is when Isaac decides he has to poop, quote, really bad, unquote. Right. Okay. So you think like, okay, well, we'll pass a diner or some kind of restaurant or some kind of gas station where he could go in. Nothing for miles and miles and miles. So finally, we come up on a fruit stand. Which is a crapshoot because fruit stands are outside. The whole thing is outside. So I get out in the pouring rain with Isaac in tow and I go to the front and no one's there. So then I have to go through the back, which, by the way, this fruit stand has no ceiling. So it is still pouring on me as I say, do you guys have a bathroom? Yes, it's right around back. Well, around back was underwater, at least a foot of water. So not only did I not want to get up to my knee in water, but I certainly didn't want to dry there. Like, because Scott's car will get stuck. stuck. Yeah, great. So I was like, I don't think that's going to work. Plus, I'm a little nervous about a porta potty because Isaac has like a very strong gag reflex. Crap Yeah, crap shit. Ah, pun intended. Jason Bryant, you get the prize. Yes, for the win. For the win. (laughs) 
So we get back in the car. Can you hold it? He's like, I don't know. Maybe I should just go on the side of the road. And we're like, you're not pooping on the side of the road because we're not animal. Because we're, I don't know. I was just trying to get him a toilet. What do you want from me? Plus, it was raining, Don. It was, it was raining. pouring. So the next place we go is a fruit stand also. And they have one porta potty, but it's not underwater. So I'm like, all right, let's give it a shot. So once again, I get out. I'm already soaking wet. So why not? I rush over. To, I run him over to the porta potty. I open the door and immediately go, Ugh. Because of, oh, no. of the smell. Yes. Okay. So he, I go, can you go in there? And he goes, mate. And then he walks into it and goes, Ugh. and I was like, oh, God. You guys I don't know are if we're going to be able to do gaggers, this. Man. So he goes in, he pulls his pants out, he sits down. And, and at that moment, the smell hits me again. So I'm holding the door open like this and vomiting over the side. Because I couldn't deal with it anymore. And Scott is watching all this from the car. What I can't see is that he's gagging from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gagging from the outside. So I close the door so you can have privacy. He goes, what are you doing? Oh and my I was like, gosh. okay, okay, we'll just go. We'll just oh, go. Oh, come on. This is so gross. We went no, back into the I car. Mean, yeah, it was really gross. We went back into the car. You would never last in a third world country, especially no, mine. Anyway. Never. Keep going. We get back into the car and I go, I'm done because now my I can't even wear my shirt in the car. It's so wet. I just take my shirt off. I cover up with the blanket and I was like, your turn. So we drive to the next place that says McDonald's. But according oh, no. to Scott was not McDonald's. <laughs> it was like a counter where they served something resembling, Mc, you know, I mean, I guess it probably was McDonald's. But it was also a shell station with what Scott calls the filthiest room he's ever entered in he said there was at least two inches of water slash urine on the floor and so now scott has to help him balance to not get his shoes or pants covered in pee so that he can sit down and still gagging go to the bathroom but finally he does the deed they get back in the car and i hear a rant for 15 minutes about how vile it was in that room well i'm glad it's so much more sophisticated than pooing in the woods because I would imagine if you pooed in the woods in the rain, you wouldn't have had half the gagging and none of the throwing up. What would I wipe his ass? I mean, don't you have napkins in the car? Every car has a napkin. Every car with a toddler has a napkin in it. Yeah, we have napkins. Hey, yeah, like, I guess yeah, I could have, but I don't know. I was trying to. I don't know. I was trying to help him with the toilet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I don't just, know why I didn't just. Have you ever had your kids pee on the ground? Yeah. My, well, my kids definitely have. I remember Poop on the ground? very specifically. Yes. When I was a kid, they used to carry toilet paper in the glove box just in case we had to poo. I also pooped. I pooped in the ground in my late, in my mid-20s. What? (laughs) Yeah. The hell? I know. Back in the day when I was with the one that must not be named, Mm. um, we often went to camp in places that were far and away removed from any other human person and there were no bathrooms like so i would have to do it wow i have a thing that's called a poo haiku which is your last pants crapping or close call in three words or three short sentences that's a poo haiku yeah like with me it would be taco bell lock myself out of the house pooed under the deck Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i've never i don't even know what that is but I think, I guess that's the benefit of having a very non-active, is that how you say it? So, yeah, like another one would be little boy pooping on the way to Outer Banks, almost barfed. (laughs) 
That's all you need to, for this story. It's a poo haiku. Great. It's so, a yeah. poo. Oh, great. Is that the title of our episode? No. Poo haiku? No, because we need to have it be no. a call your girlfriend. No, no, no. Sadly, let's get back on track, y'all. So anyway. Let's get back on track. So Here then we, go. we finally got there, and it was delightful after that. It was a short walk to the beach. Isaac had a great time every day. He swam his little heart out at the beach and then they have a pool at the house. We would jump into the pool and then he would take a shower every day and then he would just like fall asleep mid-sentence every night at like eight, nine o'clock and then we would wake up and do the whole thing again. We did it every day for about five days. I did one work one day, um, like Wednesday I worked while they took Isaac without me. But for the most part, it was great. It was really nice. We cooked at home. We didn't go out because quarantine. So it was a little different in that respect that like, normal vacation you go out and do stuff and we didn't but you know we got to know them really well and it was good so that's where i was yeah so i was just getting a tan because there was nothing else to do and then i got home and there had and i had all new glasses i had four glasses that i had um ordered i'm wearing one of the pairs i also have a glitter pair i also have a remember that gold pointy pair i got um, replacement of those because they broke and black with white top cat eye and a little white bottom. They're very weird. It makes me sort of look like Elton John a little bit. But um, you'll know. see them another time, I'm sure. So, okay. yeah. So I went on Great. vacation, surprisingly. And uh, it'll probably never happen again, ever. Because we've never done it before. So why would it happen again? <laughs> you know, like five years, we've never took vacation with him. Well, so, yeah. that's good. I mean, that's great. It's fantastic. It was really fun. Yay. Sorry for yay, the long yay, poo yay. story. I know it's terrible. No, I mean it's 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 a great intro. <laughs> it's the highlight of the show, to be honest with you. And transitioned uh, into what we're moving into. But before we move into that interview, I'm just going to share a little bit about our new Super Squad really quickly. This is sort of like a ad slash transition no piece here. I've now set up our Q and A so that we're going to be moving away from the focal point, having it stream only to the She Podcast Super Squad Facebook group, which is what. Most people get a chance to experience every single week. But then, unfortunately, those that don't use Facebook don't get access to it. Right. And That's well, why we're moving it. I think most you all know that I personally hate Facebook a lot, but do acknowledge the ease of use of many different things. But since we are – Jess has set up our, our membership experience now, which is really, really, really cool. And then we're using StreamYard. So what we're going to do is we're going to stream directly into a password-protected page inside of the membership. And it's already set up. We're going to test it for the very first time this week. So when you are listening to this episode, we have already – uh, tested it. So I'm going to double check maybe next week to see how it went and we can talk about it then. But then that way people can log in there and then everything will be just behind the scenes there. And even though we're still going to be streaming into the Super Squad on Facebook as well, because you could do separate things with StreamYard and then possibly not do it in the future. But that's my backups, which is kind of cool because I get to test it out and fail terribly. If it doesn't work, we people can still come and check it out in the Facebook group, which is awesome. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So that's we're going to be moving on now to some really quick tool tips. The news you can use for the informed podcaster. Podcasting news. So I got these headphones, and I talked about them on the feed in the latest um, the feed interview that came out on Tuesday, Sorry. but. So these are really awesome. I don't know if you can see right now, those of you guys who are watching, 
Do you see me wearing headphones? We don't. You don't. And even if I go like this, watch. If I put my hair back, look at this. What if I put my hair back? Still ponytail? nothing. Mm, you don't see my hair. Can't hairbook. tell at all. But alas, check this out. It's this like really cool, super, super awesome little headphones that go straight inside your ears and then they go up and above. So like they they wrap over the ears and then you stick them in your head, in your ear balls, in your ear holes. Ear balls. Ear balls. That's <laughs> and the name it's of the like show. Beer balls. Just and kidding. it's a plastic see-through kind of thing. Okay. And they're used to generally monitor... Obviously, like when you're playing on stage or something, some kind of instrument. But what's really cool is that these are corded. So I actually have them going down my back. What's the brand? Well, you can click through. So I put them in our show notes. They are, uh, the brand is M-E-E, Audio Sport, Phi Earphone, M6, CL, Noise Isolating In-Ear Headphones. Anyway, with Memory Wire. But... Look at the price, Jess, and um, you're going to your face is going to fall off when you look at the price of these things. What ten dollars? Uh, <laughs> How? Why? Isn't what? that amazing, y'all? Ten bucks. How? What? Ten dollars. Ten dollar. Can you? Are they? Are they noise canceling or no? Well, they are more like noise isolating because they're going inside my ear hole. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Makes sense. They're really light for the most part. You just have to get used to – like it's not an easy put in and and go kind of thing. Like it takes me a couple – like, you know, with any other headphones, you really just stick them in there and it's like seconds. With this, it takes me a little bit to like put them on top. But it's kind of neat because you can't really see. Yeah, you can And can't. then this is why you entered the enti- – you, you started the show by saying that I was a little vain because I literally bought That's these why. so that – I wouldn't have these things hanging off my face when I'm doing video. That's literally the only reason I bought them. I'm buying them right because... this second. Question, what kind of extension yeah. cord do you have? Because you said you earlier that you had an extension cord, so you don't yes. have this next to you and the whole thing. I'll so... show you. I have an extra one. Hold on. Okay. So it's an extension. This is a really long extension cord. It's got the female end on one side. So it's, it's this exact same thing as the headphone cord, but it has... You just stick the headphone cord inside the female end. Audio extension cable, male to female, correct? Or that's yes. it. Yes, and that's what? it. And so it comes. This package that I bought, I'll put my, the ones that I bought in the show notes. This is like super long. The ones that I got is I got two of these, and they're really long. I think that I probably wouldn't get this. I think they're like six feet. Um, I probably wouldn't get them to be this big. There's one six feet um, for like $7. Does that sound right? They're super cheap. Yeah. So now I get an opportunity to have – that's why I was able to move all the way over there without – because before I had the small cord and I, I, I had to be like in one position because if I moved the wrong way, it would pull them out of my ears. The one that I'm using right now has a little one and a big one. Wait. Yeah. So you need, you would just have to, the the one that you have in your ear right there, you would just stick it into the female end of this thing. And then this thing would go into the other. So you just make it longer. The problem is with Jess is she needs the scarlet. She needs, yeah, she needs it from eighth inch to quarter inch. Yeah. Quarter inch. Yeah. I have the little adapters. You can buy the little adapter thingies. I have an adapter. I do have an adapter. 
They don't seem to work for me. No, I have an adapter in the focus right. I, I do. Okay. All right, I'm going to try and just get this and see if it goes. That's awesome. Thank you for the tip. I will be purchasing it immediately. I bought two pairs. So $5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Shout out to um, Loria Petrucci, who used to be known as Kelly Lewis way back in the day from uh, Geek Brief TV, because she has a channel that I saw this on. And the way that the, the video mentioned it, something like like the, the, the most, the, something, the best kept secret of, of how to not wear headphones when you're doing a, a video or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it literally was like a five minute video and she demoed it. And then she, and she said, and you can buy them here and they're like $11. And I was like, oh my God, I am buying them right now. <laughs> so. Do you have that plugged into the front of your Rodecaster Pro? No, it's in the back. Oh, it is in the back. Because there is a jack for the front for to be able to listen. Well, I actually put it in the back because the front, for some reason, the vault, like there was some weirdness that I was like, you know what? I'm going to use the back headphones because something is happening with my, with my, oh, I think it's the isolation. I couldn't isolate my, my own voice and yours. It's post fader. If I use the front. Yeah. yeah it has, it's, it's mixed. You're getting the full mix. Yeah, in, in the, the front. front. Okay. So I, I couldn't handle that in my ears. It was too much, too annoying. But anyway, that was it. And I think that that's an awesome way for us to move into our very first sponsor of the episode this time, who is our one of our friends, right? Yes. So today's sponsor is Dr. Ginger Campbell, who is the host and founder of Brain Sci- the Brain Science Podcast, which she's been doing probably 15 years now. And Ginger just wrote a new book called, Are You Sure? The Unconscious Origins of Certainty. And the book explores the evidence that the feeling of certainty is generated by an unconscious process in the brain. More importantly, it explores implications of this discovery. So she says that she was inspired for the book by the featured work of neurologist Robert Burton, um, the discovery that the universal experience of feeling certain is not under our conscious control. And that in itself has profound implications for our attitudes, both towards ourselves and others. So what she's looking for is hosts to interview her about the book on their podcast. So she's paying for an ad for us to tell you guys a little bit about her, a little bit about the book. And, you know, offer her contact information if you'd like to interview her. So just to give you some talking points, and if this goes along with your show, then you can either click the link in our show notes or you can write down her email, which I'll just tell you now is brainsciencepodcast at gmail.com. So talking points, how memory really works, why it matters, why we feel certain of things even when we're wrong, why do people struggle with uncertainty? why you can't change someone's minds with facts alone, why understanding some basic neuroscience is essential for the 21st century, connection between cognitive dissonance and feeling certain. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, some of the most fascinating things. And so she's looking for any show that covers health and wellness, personal empowerment, psychology, memory, any kind of mental health. I think she would be perfect for all that stuff. She does a lot of personal storytelling. You can certainly talk politics when it comes to certainty. I think that would be a fascinating way to dive into the book subject and, you know, exploring how this information can, you know, impact how we feel about ourselves. Specifically, her goal is to argue that understanding certainty is a result of unconscious processes that are outside 
awareness and our control should be making us more tolerant towards ourselves and others. But if we understand why facts alone don't change people's minds, we can save ourselves a lot of frustration and maybe find better ways to connect. So this is a perfect time for her to have written this book. It's a perfect, very relevant topic for really any show. Um, so check out brainsciencepodcast.com. You can buy the book. You can contact her through there or you can do brainsciencepodcast at gmail.com. And that is pretty much it. The book again, The Unconscious Origins of Certainty. What do you think? I mean, doesn't that sound fascinating? It's fascinating. And I think that, we, that that's the kind of stuff we all need to learn. It's just, I guess, so I, I hope as many of you all reach out to her and have her on your show, because it's the kind of information that we need to be having out there anyway, at least this kind of conversation. And it's the type of thing that by being on a podcast, it could possibly get a, a much wider reach than brainy people who are apt to be looking for this material in the first place, which is why she's asking us to talk yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I mean, who's going to go to the bookstore and buy this book on out of their own accord? <laughs> I mean, honestly. I've got to learn about uncertainty right now. <laughs> I now, know. I tell you. No, I mean, but you know, when it comes to certainty, no, I, like certain people, yeah. I mean, she said like one of the topics would be struggling with uncertainty, but I don't have that. I am obnoxiously certain about my opinions, open to possibility that I'm not correct. But like, I feel like I can make up my mind pretty easily with stuff. So, but I know that other people have that problem where they're just like, they doubt themselves or their instincts or what they already know about a subject. And especially right now when politics can be confusing and purposefully misleading, I think knowing both how you can persuade someone and also how you yourself are persuaded is very valuable. Right. And I, and then the other thing that I believe she is also reaching out to is when you are 100% certain about something that you have been possibly raised with all your life and the process by which you learn that certainty and then never letting go when you know now that that's not the truth. When there is yet something different. When they're in how hard that cognitive dissonance is when you know something deeply inside of yourself, but your behavior still supports mm. your unconscious biases, which is why I think this is so important because it's unbelievable the way that we cling on to what we're certain about and never allowing ourselves to move into the possible opposite or to consider something that is not. So I don't think that it's necessarily about just being certain and you need to be certain. It's about being able to do both. To critically think in order to make decisions. Yes, that Critical is Critical thinking. Critical yes. thinking. And allowing yourself to, again, that it's not about uh, just proving yourself right, but to being able to then move from a place of, ooh, this was certain for me then. Now I am recognizing this other side. But anyway. let's be honest. If you're one of those people, this book will certainly teach you how to be right all the time. So if you're if you need to be right all the time, this is the book for you because <laughs> John's waving I his really hand. I really don't think that. Yes, that's I do need to be right all the time. But once I mean, we read the book, we will be able to comment I think on whether this that's is That's true. I will you're right. And it's and it's not a long read. I do think it's a fascinating read and again, we'll have the 
show notes uh, link there. So yeah. So thank you, Dr. Ginger. Again, brain science podcast at gmail.com. Reach out to her. Tell her you heard our ad and that you'd like to interview her at her earliest convenient time. Thank you so much. Woohoo. And on that note, moving from one book to yet another book. And this time we are talking with the author, authors themselves. So let's say a nice warm welcome to Jessica introducing our guests. Okay, yes, I will be happy to introduce them. So Anne Friedman and Aminatu Sow are the writers and journalists behind the hit podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. Since 2014, these best friends have connected every week to dissect politics, race, pop culture, feminism, and all kinds of silly and serious things that don't get enough of a spotlight. Each episode now garners hundreds of thousands of listeners. They've interviewed Hillary, blah, 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 blah. They've interviewed Hillary Clinton, LeVar Burton, Kamala Harris, and others. And this summer, they put out a much anticipated book, Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. The book earns early raves from Roxanne Gay, Hillary Clinton, Rebecca Traster, Saeed Jones, and others they admire. You can get the book at, I think, shinetheory.com. And speaking of that, they also go into um, their shine theory, which encourages women to invest in one another's success long term, no matter what the short term cost is. So a lot of people in and out of politics, Serena Williams, AOC, have specifically mentioned shine theory as a guiding light in their decision making. And there's more on Shine Theory at shinetheory.com. But then we've interviewed them and we'd like to share the interview with you right now. Thank you so much for being here. We're really, really excited to have you both. I think the first thing I would like to say to you is thank you for writing this book. I mean, definitely for doing your podcast, but but having a book written about friendships like these and the ups and downs, like there aren't that many people that have that, that have that, that kind of friendship or even know how to have that kind of friendship. So I love that you've created the shine theory and that it's sort of a little movement unto itself. And I just wanted to say thank you both for writing it out. What made you decide to write a book? Uh, well, this is a book we needed to read at various points of our life and our friendship. And so it's mm. a little bit of a cliche, but I think that was a really strong motivation that there are some incredible books about friendship that exist in the world. But when it came to something in the realm of nonfiction, especially that dealt with what's hard about it, as well as what's great about it, we didn't really see a lot out there. And so that was the motivation. We wrote a book we needed to read. Well, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Elsie wanted to ask you. Go ahead, Elsie. I want you to ask your Wait, big question. I know she's like, Elsie wanted to ask you. So my biggest thing upon reading all of this is, my, it was funny because she laughed at me. She's like, what are your, what questions do you want to ask? And I'm like, I want to know how they're doing. So like to preface, we have a very similar relationship to the two of you. We're a little older than you and we started our relationship a little older. So it's not identical, but it's very similar. The shine theory is something I've never actually verbalized, but it is something that I practice with her. And so I'm the one that's a little bit more interview centric. Elsie is not necessarily interview centric, but she does have a lot of good thoughts about what to ask. So in asking Elsie, what questions do you want to ask them? I was expecting, I don't know why, something journalistic. And I got, I want to know how they're doing. <laughs> well, thank you for asking, Elsie. That is actually a very kind question. So I, um, I for one, appreciate getting it. We're doing like everyone else. We are lucky enough, you know, that we are, um, we are healthy. We are safe. But like everyone else, the, the pandemic is really affecting our lives. It's mm. been really sad. 
you know, to to have this book out in the world and we can't be with each other. That has been just like the toll of that has been like a huge bummer. But other than that, knock on wood, like we we're doing good. If you're asking about our friendship specifically, um, you know, I'm like, I think that's doing good. Uh, So, yeah, we're um, very, uh, you know, like we're here. We're here and we are um, incredibly privileged to be able to, to talk to you today. The other thing that I had in terms of the how are you doing is my consideration of you doing kind of like a press tour. And like I know for for us, for Jess and I, whenever we have to be on or whenever we are doing some kind of any kind of press or marketing that has to do with our work in podcasting, sometimes we get very tired and it's like, oh, my God, do we really have to do this again? Yeah, no, I mean, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And the feelings are similar. Yeah. Yeah, Only sociopaths like don't feel that way. So yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's so funny. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we have a live event that we do. And after that, we didn't want to see anyone for days. Did not want to even talk to each other for days. So I can, yeah, we can respect and appreciate what you guys are going through. I know this is the, I think the last week or you may have a few more weeks of your you know, your podcast tour, I think. We're on the cusp of two weeks of vacation starting after this week. And <gasps> okay. um, it is going to be very exciting. Um, and it's funny, all of my all of my friends are like, what are you doing? What are you doing for your for your time off? And it's like, I am deleting email and all social media apps from my phone. And that's that's it. That's the vacation. <laughs> Not talking about myself <laughs> to strangers like will be so delicious. We were trying to be very mindful of the fact that you've been answering the same questions over and over. And I don't know how well we've done in not asking you the same thing everyone else is asking you. But I mean, we may as well just go. Okay. So like, has anyone, you don't have to tell me if you've answered it a million times, but like the term big friendship is an interesting term because I do think that labeling Elsie, who is my big friend person as a bestie or a BFF is is a shallow explanation. But what made you think of the word big exactly? And were there throwaway names? Like monster. <laughs> or Ep- epic monster friendship was Yeah, was, like yeah. Epic, <laughs> epic is good. <laughs> I don't know, like I mean, Auntie, do you remember other things in contention? I would say we just like the word big. Like we we like that we are both big women. We talk about being big. Like I don't know, it felt natural, but Maybe I don't remember. I think you are correct. We are, we're big women. We like to take up space. We want this friendship to take up space. Big friendship. It encompasses so much. And I think for Jess and I, at least knowing and seeing the nuance of this friendship in the way that it has manifested itself for me later in life, because I never really had friends. Like, I think something that was very different in me reading the story is that it kind of made me ache for not, (laughs) this is pathetic, (laughs) for not having any memories of like little girls or even in high school or college where I was like, that was my college friend. Like, I don't have any of that because I I just was so introverted and so non-attached to friends that when now with Jessica is like my friend, like this is the first time. <laughs> I've won the prize, I was like ladies. in my late 30s when this happened, which is crazy. Yeah. So it means a lot to encompass big friends in this for me because it, it the friendship is, is is that big for sure i love the term we are untangleable because we've changed each other do you think if you had met a little bit later that that would be the case like 
because you met at a time when you're really being formed that you formed each other. Like, would that happen, do you think, had it been your 40s? I think that it it depends how you parse out that question. I think that for even your own friendship, like, illustrates that people can meet later in life and also form a big friendship. So I think that if the question is, like, you know, can, can two people meet at any stage of life if you have room and they have room, like, become friends? I think that the answer superficially is yes. Would Anne and I have the exact same kind of friendship that we have today if we had met at different stages in our lives? The answer is probably no. But I don't think that it means that we would not have been um, able to form a big friendship. It would just be a different friendship. Yeah. One of the main differences between our friendship and yours is that we live far away from each other and we always have. We've never had the fun of, you know, hanging around doing nothing together. We've always both been moms and we met sort of online. So it's possible that we wouldn't have the same friendship as yours either because we've never hung out for longer than like a week together. And, you know, and that was usually while working. So there's something about having your friendship go from like that young 20s thing to becoming more established. Um, Were there any growing pains that you can particularly remember um, that you had to push through, even though they were uncomfortable between then and now, like life changes, relationships, health, all those things. I mean, yeah, we write a lot about a lot of those moments in the book. Um, Yeah. You know, as you pointed out, our friendship is, uh, did not start long distance. That was a trend. That was one transition. I think that was the first big transition. Probably the hardest, I would think. No, I don't know. In some ways it wasn't because I moved away from DC where we met, you know, when we were still kind of in that like honeymoon phase of friendship. And so our friendship was like, I don't know, for some reason, the initial transition to long distance was not that difficult for us. We really um, found it very easy to kind of express to each other that we wanted the friendship to last through that transition and are fortunate enough that like, you know, it wasn't so long ago. We had like all the kind of like digital FaceTiming tools that basically we have now. Um and yeah, and so that that transition, I think, was, you know, difficult in some moments, but like, overall, was not something that was really like existentially threatening to the friendship. I mean, I think that later when when difficult things happened, or when we went through changes individually, and we were long distance, that sort of it was a compounding factor in making things difficult. You know, Aminatu uh, had chronic illness, or you know, as as someone who is going through chronic illness and being a friend to someone who is going through chronic illness, like that dynamic is really different at a distance than it is in person. And it is not to say that you cannot continue to show up for a friend that way, but again, we kind of had to calibrate to, hmm, this is what I wish I were able to do for you in person, or this is the way um, I wish we were able to just sit side by side and not expend a lot of effort in talking about everything that's happening. But uh, we don't have that luxury because we don't live close. So I think that those are two examples where it's not always so clean cut as like just moving away being the source of friendship strife. Like sometimes it's like going through a change that might not have been difficult in person, but because of the distance, then the change is difficult. It's It can be hard to unpack it. And I think also there are things that we recognize maybe only in retrospect, how difficult or how challenging they had been for our friendship, because we weren't talking about them in real time. And that's another thing 
that we write about in the book is like, you kind of have to acknowledge that a change is happening in order to stretch for it and account for it. And the times when our friendship has been threatened is our times when we have not been able to acknowledge that a change is happening and that, that we need to account. Yeah, you said you have a hard time addressing when one is the cause of the other's pain. And I thought that was really interesting. So you can talk about anything and everything except when you may or may not be being a good friend or doing the right thing for the other person. Do you have an easier time of that now that you've written the book or now that you have gone through what you've gotten through? Or is it still kind of difficult? I mean, like, do you push through? Like Elsie and I push through. I can tell when she's being tense about something and I'm like, just fucking let me have it. Just tell me what it is. Don't don't make me guess because I'm too thick and I don't like tension. So, And she has a hard time. I mean, she would never, she would die before she would tell me. Like she would go to the grave with whatever secret she's festering. <laughs> I make her tell me, but that's because I'm, I'm just like that though. But like, I'm wondering, did you have, do you have to become like that or do you still tread water and tiptoe? I think that, you know, that line that you refer to was specifically in the chapter that we write about being in an interracial friendship. So I think that it is more accurate to say that when it comes to talking about race, we were not really adept at talking about it when, you know, like when Anne was the was the cause of the pain that I was feeling. Um, but to the larger point of your question... I don't believe that our dynamic is, you know, like maps out exactly to yours. I, I am definitely, I definitely believe that like in, in my friendship with Anne, I'm also the one who I'm like, a, I don't like tension. I, I would like for things to be brought up like immediately if possible or to deal with it and, you know, like a, before the statute of limitations expires, um, right. for sure. <laughs> um, the emotional statute of lim- limitations, a measurement How I invented, long is that I invented exactly? for myself. That's probably, um, that's but, probably every relationship that's probably different. But for me, it's like 40 minutes. <laughs> that's the statute. <laughs> I need it to come out before that. Anyway. I think that part of the the dynamic that we are really trying to model for each other in um, when we talk about a big friendship really is is um, is accommodating for both of those two things, right? Is like if one of us is like, oh, actually, I need for this to happen immediately, and the other one of us is like, mm, I need more time. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, everything is negotiable <laughs> in life, and the only way to have like good, healthy relationships is to find that middle ground where it happens. And so sometimes, so sure, like sometimes, you know, we are very good about talking about a conflict when it arises. And that is the product of like going to therapy and going through this process. And other times we're not able to do that. But what is different now is that we can talk about it, you know, and say like, oh, actually, like, I'm not ready to talk about this now, but I will be ready to talk about it later, for example. And for us, at least, like, that was the thing that made all of the difference. It's because I recognized, I was like, oh, actually, it doesn't matter if the thing doesn't happen right now. I just need for it to be acknowledged and I need for it to be mm-hmm. on the calendar when we'll, we will talk about it instead of not, um, you know, because I think that sometimes the underlying... um not sometimes. And again, I will only speak for myself. My fear with when people don't bring things up immediately is that what they're saying is that they just want to ignore them forever. And that is not acceptable to me. So I think that, yeah, it's like being able to talk about that with the person that you're friends with is like, obviously very important. My fear is that I'm being misunderstood and I have no control over it. For me, it's a control issue. If she's festering about something, I want my, I want the ability to defend myself, I think, (laughs) before, before I'm condemned. (laughs) to a life of bad friend. Part of the what I've really got from the book itself. Actually, you know, it was an I had an emotional connection to it right off the bat. 
I was afraid I was going to cry. Like I, I was, Same. I really was, I think that was the, the, the biggest fear I had that talking with you was gonna make me cry in a way simply because it made me realize how important Jessica has been in my life and that it's never been anything that we really address because it's just so infused in all the different layers of who I am. Untangled. When I, yeah, the, even just the beginning of it, when you, when y'all were talking about feeling awkward and weird and something was going wrong, it was very hard for me to listen to that because I started to feel very, oh my gosh, this is, not that it's too close to home as in like we're having that, but just the, uh, the no, I was heartbroken. that happening I was yeah, heartbroken. was really heartbreaking. And for me to feel like just to have you lay out these, I can't say facts because it's not the chapters, the way in which you laid out each chapter and addressed and gave us vocabulary. And I think that that was really yes. powerful. The vocabulary that you used of all of the different aspects and what that looked like, what's stretching and that. What that means, oh my gosh, I've done that. So is there, how did you come up with this vocabulary to explain these, for me, universal concepts that then all of a sudden now I'm like, yes, I know what that is. Now I have a name. Unlike the title or like saying, calling this a big friendship, you know, some of the concepts in the book that we give voice to really took a lot of time and effort. You know, we really had to Mm -hmm. talk through what was happening with the two of us and um, was this a pattern and what is a way we can kind of metaphorically describe that, which is, you know, how something like the stretch came about. And then there were other times like shine theory or like the concept of big friendship itself, where we worked from the idea and then found the examples to support it and said, Oh, okay. Like this is the big picture thing we resonate with. And how do we find the ways of illustrating it in our own friendship. We kind of came at it from two different ways. And sometimes it did take a long time to find that vocabulary. And, and you know, there are other instances where um, like one word we use for our kind of extended friend network is uh, the friend web. And we've never 100% loved that term. You know, I think we kept thinking we would come up with something more clever or better. And it just didn't happen. And so we were like, okay, you know, we're going to go with our next best choice. So there's a range of um, approaches that we took. I do appreciate the vocabulary, though, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For and also setting us up for the long haul, right? What I think that I hope my hope from this book is that it has the future quality of it in which you leave us, which is that we can plan on being for each other there in the future, which is something that I never, Jess and I actually do talk about this all the time. Oh, we're going to come up with a we we talk about the fact that we're going to have a detective agency when we're like in our 70s. Internet detectives. That's in about 10 years. We'll be ready. She detects. (laughs) Yes, she detects. We are so. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yay. We are getting that URL like right now. We do talk about that all the time, like that we'd like to continue to work together. Sometimes I daydream about coming to live on the mountain where she is just. Elsie in the mountain. Uh, I'm sure she never daydreams about coming to the suburbs, but <laughs> I, I but but and I and I don't want to finish your thought, Elsie. But it does feel like yeah, it's almost like a roadmap for people to navigate through harder things in relationships. Is there anything that you feel that you didn't get in the book that you would like friends to know? Like now, after you finish the book, you are promoting the book. You're having these conversations. Is there something that you feel like, I, I really want 
our audience or the people who, who read the book to also know this? I'm really proud of the book that we wrote because we grounded it so much in our own specific experience, you know, and I think that it's because of that that people were able to recognize so much of themselves, actually. It's easier when you start from, you know, like two real people than if you just write about generalities. But, you know, the when we've been on book tour, one thing that so many people are talking to us about are friend breakups. And I would love to read a book about that, you know, and really to have people just to like feel that they have permission to talk about how that's going on. We are also, um, you know, both read this new book out by Mia Birdsong that is more about the, you know, the community aspects of friendship. And that is like a really beautiful book that is in conversation with our book. That's a great name, Birdsong. I'm happy to talk about it because I am obsessed with it and we talk about it with each other. Yeah. So this book by Mia Birdsong, which is called How We Show Up, is about the way that friendship fits into the broader ways we do family and community, which is so incredible because I know we kind of nod to it in the last chapter of the book saying like, here is why people maybe don't make time for their friends. And here, here are things that are viewed as competing demands on friendship, as opposed to seeing friendship as adding to the support system that can like help you exceed it excel in your career or can help you like, you know, stay sane while raising a family in the United States of America, which does not make that easy. Um, and Mia's book really kind of takes that concept to the next level and says, like, how can we ask hard questions about the way we organize our lives and the relationships we prioritize, um, not just friendship, but on a level of community. And I think those are some ideas that like, um, we did not have the time, space, or energy to get into in the book that like we're so happy that other people are taking up. Is this one How We Show Up? That is what- yeah, that's the one, How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. Yes. Okay. And that is exactly what I was talking with Jess about too. Because I think if if culture in some way gave us at least a couple of steps or as a little girl, I would have had um, some guidance in that respect, I would probably have behaved differently in the way that I treated interpersonally my friendships and connections with people and had probably probably prioritized them. Mm. So that's a great thought right there. Yeah, it's cultural. It's definitely cultural how you're taught to prioritize. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you for answering our questions. Please tell Aminatu, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm sorry she had tech problems. And um, we will reach back out. Awesome. Thank you so much for reading the book and for talking about it. We really appreciate it. Wow. Thank you, ladies, for doing that for us. Fantastic. So, yeah, we do want to discuss um, the interview with you, the listener. But before we do that, we want to tell you about Producer Podcast, another one of our podcasting besties. Tracy DeForge has a company called Producer Podcast where they do really all the stuff that you don't want to do for your podcast. So, for example, with us, they help us put the show out. They help us schedule it. They do editing, although we have a wonderful editor. They do a transcription, they write a blog post, they put it on our website, and then they do my email newsletter once a week. So they really are like kind of a jack of all trades. It's like sort of like having like a virtual sidekick for your podcast. And actually, I recommended her to my friend Holly from Raleigh, who just put out the show Fashion Crimes podcast. And they're both Southern and kind of fun to be around. And they, of course, love each other because Holly, she's new to podcasting. So she needed like a like a right hand man. And so produce your podcast is going to work for her as well. So. I'm super excited and please check them out. Produce your podcast. 
com. If you need any type of services, I'm sure they do all the things or some of the things. So go to their website, check it out, ProduceYourPodcast.com. And now let's talk about the interview, if you will. Well, I think that one of the biggest things that really struck me, it wasn't necessarily about the interview, but about how much this was a book. Because they, they started the whole conversation saying that this was the book that they wish that they had. It's kind of like the same way that we start podcasting. We usually create the podcast that we want that doesn't exist. And they created the book that they wanted that didn't exist. And I didn't know that I needed this book until I heard it. Because I again, I heard the book and I, hey, I'm going to have to buy the actual hard copy. I mean, it yeah. it really brought up so many feelings, Jess. And it was really, for me, it was, as much as it was a, I guess, a positive experience in totality of friendship, it actually made me feel very sad because I've never had, like their friendship started from so long ago. And even in the beginning chapters, they talked about their childhood and having friends then and going to camp and doing all kinds of friend things. And I have zero memories of that. And so when I think back as a woman in her like middle age now, like you're my best friend. I have my Michelles, which I, I call them my Michelles, yeah, the even Michelles. though I don't really even. I do my, like the Michelles, I, at least the one I met. I love my Michelles. And they're, they're my, my BFFs as of like when I was in Hollywood, right? When I was in LA doing our thing, we were working at a restaurant at the same time. We were very, 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 very close. And um, then I moved here and I kind of lost, you know, I'm the, per, I'm the friend that nobody could ever get a hold of. I'm the friend that never went out. Um, I'm the friend that people wanted to be there and I just didn't want to be there. It was just really hard for me to do stuff like that. So anyway, I'm not, I don't want to make it totally about me, but I felt really sad. It is about you on some level because the things that you and I talked about after we read the book, the things that stuck with you are things that I, they're lessons I learned when they learned them in my late teens and early 20s, because all through grade school, like I had one best friend in high school, but I'm not sure I was her best friend. And then like in elementary school, I was bullied. And like, if you'd asked me at age 19, if I would have a community full of women, I'd have laughed in your face because I really didn't trust mm. women, especially when it came to friendship. Mm. So um then I went to college and I met friends that were, you know, like a couple or they were already best friends, of course. So like, I still didn't have a best friend, but but I befriended a small group of girls and they, they very much were purveyors of the shine theory. I think naturally they just right. were like that. And I, I was so suspicious of it that like I kept waiting for them to disinvite me to things or decide they didn't like me anymore, which has happened in the past, by the way. So like I just kept waiting for it. I was like, I don't know. Maybe Catherine and Lauren want to come. I'm not sure though. And they wanted to every time. They wanted to support me. Mm. They came to my acapella stuff. And every time for four years, it was a surprise. So when yeah. I, so when I got out of college, I mean, you know, they went on with their lives. I had children. So there was a little while there where I felt like I didn't have any good girlfriends. Um, but, and there was no Facebook, no way to like keep up with people. Right. Um, so once that started back up, it was really nice to be able to connect with who I felt were my friends again. But, the shine theory, you know, and, and so at this moment in my life, I do have lots of groups of friends and you. And like, even though you're what my friend Megan calls my person, like Elsie's my person. She, you know, do you know what I mean? Like she, if you yeah, guys, yeah. 
who are listening, you know what that means. She Elsie's my person, but I do still have a group of really close women that all have kids Isaac's age. And then I have, um, you know, other podcasting friends. And then I still have my acapella group. And I still, you know, like I still have like, I still talk to my high school best friend. So I do have that. I think for you, it was a little more profound realizing that maybe you didn't have it. And then, I don't know, there was some, some lamenting about the time, all this time you haven't had it, right? Right. There is lamenting, but then there's also this, and, and this is where I'm having an issue with this, is that there is the lamenting and there's actually a real sadness. It's like a grieving for not having that idea or those histories with people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sure I would do anything different because <laughs> my per- I'm serious. My personality is such that I don't, I'm not that kind of a person. Like I'm not a... I'm not a, I want to have all the friends. I reveled in never having or never fitting in a specific clique in in high school. I, Me too. You know, I never really had friends that I hung out with. And, you know, truth be told, it was always because of boys. I was always easier friends with boys. I wonder why. Yeah. And I always had a boyfriend. Yeah. You know, and You're it wasn't girl. until... I was that girl. And so then when I got um, now, and and I had the same kind of distress. Well, like when I was um, younger, girls hated me. Mm-hmm. And I never fit in. It was like, she's too nice. She's too sweet. She's too pretty. She's too like all the things. And so I always felt like people were being really mean. And I was bullied. I was, again, I was, I was threatened by my own race. And that was very, very hard. I was very afraid for most of my middle school into high school because, man, Latina girls are mean and scary. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in, in the old, they would just totally, I was going to be beat up. Like I would just go away. I'm like, I don't want to get my ass kicked. So I would just kind of stay away and get very like internal about it. I don't know. You know, I honestly don't know if I would do anything different. I think it's, you know, and and I'm also super like selfish. (laughs) I might as well straight up say it. I mean, I'm super. Your life is not conducive to having friends like that. You live very far away from other people. Right. But on purpose. But again, there's going to be some people. I mean, if you were. I know on purpose. On purpose. Correct. Yeah, and but see Ran is Ran is the opposite. He is very people like he believes in people. He loves to talk to anybody. He can he feels people are really good and he wants to have relationships with like other parents and he wants to have like friends like he has dreams of having this. Like he had friends like like that how they had friends in like high school and college. Like he had mm-hmm. friends like that. Mm-hmm. And he ha- tells me all the stories of all the fun things that they did and I was like you all did all those things. Like I was not allowed to get out of my house. Yeah. So, a- and he still revels on it. And I'm like, I don't want to talk. When we go to parties, whether it's in a grown up party or a little kid party, I don't talk to anybody. I honestly could care less. Like it is the hardest thing. The only time I talk to people is when they come over my house because it's, I'm the host and that's my job. So I think that there's something to be said. Those two women were the same type of woman. They mentioned that. Mm-hmm. They are the the seekers. They are the ones that created the opportunities to go out and do stuff. They are the ones that are, they, you know, they made it a, a thing. Like they would come over to each other's houses and do that 
that thing that they did together. Whereas with me, I'm just like, God, I mean, you can barely, you barely get me to go out to dinner with you. <laughs> That's because you've worked all day. You and I have never been, we've very, once in That's a while, true. you're right, but rarely right. have you and I been in a situation where we're not working on something. So like, even when we went to Disney, you were exhausted from the week because we'd already had a That's week right. of working. The best time to right. get you to be social is two nights before a conference, which, which by the way, you never show up that early. So it's impossible. Right. Because you always right. breeze in and breeze out at the last possible, you know, the last possible moment you can come in and the first possible moment you can come out. And so those those experiences don't have a chance to come to fruition because, you, look, I mean, I know it's on purpose, but it is a situation where your life is specifically created to not involve other people. Right. That is, and it, that and just, is conscious and specific. Right. I don't know it's how conscious- I wormed myself in. To be honest with you. I think that you had to have, I mean, the, it was, it's the right type of chemistry, Jess, on it, in all honesty. Like, out of my Michelle's, the blonde Michelle is very much like you. She is very exuberant. She's very, um, she just gets in there. She'll ask me straight, like, questions right off the bat. Like, you know, so why are you wearing that red shirt? And I'm like, oh, uh, cause, and then she immediately just gets it out of me. Like, it's, and so I think it's the type of person, that's the type of friend that's going to get me out is somebody who is really coming at me all the time <laughs> asking I, me for things. That's why I wormed my way in. That's exactly what yeah. it was. Now <laughs> I know the answer because I literally forced you to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to host a podcast and I wanted to learn about you. And so I would like kind of interview you during the beginning of our show and vice versa. Then you would ask me like we kind of interviewed each other, I guess, for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. But I have wondered because, I mean, I tell, you know, you are my best friend and my person, but I do wonder if we did live on the same street, would it be the same? Like, would you I don't know. come over because or would I'm, you avoid it? Would we have dinners or would I you would avoid, avoid it? it? Yeah, I think I would avoid it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a little too much. That's like, like now it would be different. You know what I mean? Like, if you live down the street now, if we live down the at street at this from moment each other in our now, friendship, right? It wouldn't. Yeah, matter. at this moment now, I would be coming out. Like, I'd knock on your. Like, I would do things that I probably have never done before right. because I already know all these things, right? And I would feel super comfortable doing that. I mean, all kinds of things. Like, I totally know that in my bones. Yeah. But if we would have met each other, like, let's say we took our babies to the same uh, school or something, and I would see you. Yeah. I don't think. No, probably not. I don't think. I would because probably. Because we were aware of each I, other for three years before we ever had any kind of interest in getting to know one another. And that is because I'm somewhat standoffish as well. And also because we're very different in our. Right. In the things we but like then to do. And online, though, dude, I don't think I've ever, like, gotten into somebody's DMs and been like, hey, what's up? Like, I don't, that's not my behavior in real life or online. Yeah. So like the the way that I am online is almost exactly reflective the, in the way that I am in real life. That's interesting. Like you'll see me once in a while and I'll come in and I'll like drop some like long ass blog post, post or yeah. social media post that requires like, you know, it's 5,000 words or a huge thread on some thought that I have mm-hmm. and then I disappear. Podcasting is perfect for introverts, did and that's this, what we are. Did the book make you want to have friends, more than one that you feel close to? I think what the book made me do is 
recognize that if I value friendship, I need to also do something. Cultivate about it. it. Like I cultivate it. Yeah. I cannot expect us to continue to be good friends without me addressing my own bullshit about my own behavior. Right. So it's like in the same way that you harass me. <laughs> When something is wrong with me, like I have to get over my own way of of avoiding, right? Because I'm like the avoidance person. I'm the one that doesn't address the the thing that's in front of my face to kind of make it go away because I'm afraid, I guess. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to go like, Jessica, how are you doing today? Like I have to instigate a little bit more conversations. I need to look... And, and and I think that this is the, as we closed, you know, when Aminatu dropped out, she was in the middle yeah. of talking about yeah. that one book. Yeah. And that book was really also interesting. And I kind of want to read it again. And it was really about how we in our society don't prioritize friendship. We prioritize family, like, as in like your husband or your kids and like, and that's the way that I've always done things. So you know that they are always number one, which is why I, you know, go to the conferences and I leave when essentially so that I could only be there as little as possible at the conference. So that's just one way to see it. But then it's because society has taught me and the way that I've been raised that family is always number one. Like, your husband always comes first. Your kids always come first. And in this other book that they're talking about, what was it called again? I don't know if I have the Can't remember. name of it, but it's by Mia Birdsong. Oh, right. Hold on. Um, so we'll have a link in the show notes about How that How we book. show up. Right? How we show up. That's right. Yeah. And so she starts to talk about how friendship fits into the broader part of family and community and mm-hmm. how we organize um, our communities and prioritize relationships outside of just family. And I think that that's really an intentional choice. And I saw the importance of that because there, there are times when I've isolated myself in such a, not just to take care of myself, but I isolate myself in such a way that I don't really have a, I haven't nurtured paths to, to really connecting with other people in this way, right? right? It's always just right because my first step is no, and it, so it's right. not really about you. No, I know it's, it's about, not about me. I don't take it personally, but yeah, I mean, I have to make. But I have dinged you if there's such a thing as dinging right. someone. I have dinged you on the last one there, first one out because, right? I mean, selfishly, I did want you to make time to spend with me. But also, I felt like, well, if we're running a community and you're last one there and first one out, how are you nurturing those relationships? And then when you're like, well, I don't, I'm not doing it. I was like, fine, I guess I will. So I come, I go early. I go a day early. Right. We do meet, you know, and I, and I try and stay a day late so that I can be social a little bit. I mean, I'm not that crazy about being social either, but I make it so that it's like two or three, you know, I'm, I'm cult, you know, like with Tracy, like I, you know, or, right. or, um, Don Frazier, you know, there are certain, you know, people that I, or Katie Kremitzos, like I make sure that mm-hmm. I have dinner with Liz Covart every time where there's a conference, right. stuff like that. Like, yeah. Because I think See, it's like, important. that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, uh, if I, if somebody asks me, I'll do it, but it's not something I even think about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, when I'm planning on going somewhere else, I'm like, I don't plan like, yeah, social things. Like, yeah. What? 
But now to to talk about that kind of stuff, there are times like I do thrive on a one-on-one. I thrive on being able to catch up with people. I thrive on just being together with one person. Mm -hmm. That's where I feel safe and I feel that I can let go and I feel like I can really connect with people because that really matters to me. Like I hate small talk. It's like the worst thing ever, but I can connect deeply with people if I have the time. That said, every time that I'm like, Jess, we're going out by ourselves, right? Who always invites every single person? I don't. That ever lived. She's like the Pied Piper. Like, she'll come out. Like, I'm like, okay, it's just Jess and I, and we're going to go hang out. And then I come out, and she's like, come here. Come here. Come here. Uh, and then come we on. have, like, a team of seven. I'm just saying that there's times that I want to just be with you. I know. You're right. Just you. You're right. And the, and it doesn't. And then you're like, but are they going to feel bad? And and that's like the kind of thing where I'm just like, listen. So what? If I they saw feel two bad. women going, and I couldn't be a part of it. I wouldn't feel bad. I'd be like, see y'all, have a good time. Women are grown ups. It's true. I feel responsible for people having a good time. That's totally true. I do. And and not only that, but I get lots of invitations to eat with people. And in a conference, there's only so many you can do. So I right. feel I do feel guilty if I take one meal to have with just you during the conference because I feel guilt that like screw that so guilt. many people want to have our attention and we don't give it to them. It makes me feel bad. I don't know why. That's just needing to That's be liked. Just- That's just from being bullied. I, di- I didn't go the opposite. I don't give a fuck what people think. Like I started really caring what people thought right. for a long time. And I still work really hard at making sure in groups that I'm not being obnoxious or overbearing. And you should have seen me this week at the beach. Like I kept waiting for her to be like, we need a break. <laughs> you know, there's huh. no reason or indication why she would need a break from us but i just kept waiting for like the can we just like not spend time together tonight because it was six nights in a row of not leaving the house so i just assumed that other people would be sick of me and when they're not i don't know i mean it's still hard to believe i guess so but here's what i want i don't just want to have dinner with you though like i would like to tack on an extra day to plan with you or play with you I get all that stuff. I and hey, we've believe me, it'll happen. I know. I, I know it's just it. been our life. I understand our lives and how little our kids are up until now. I do know that. I know. Yeah. So yeah. But, so that's one of the things that we kind of blew around about. And then also, I think you were saying something about like the level of way you're supposed to be there for someone. I don't know that. Yeah. So like my acapella group, I mean, I'm very close with all of them. They're like my sisters. And if someone dies, like, for example, my friend Janine's sister-in-law died. Her, bro- her brother's wife died. And like three of us, me and, and Melissa, we just drove to the funeral like just to be there for Janine. Like didn't right. know the girl, never met the girl, but you just go. Someone's getting married, you go. Someone's getting divorced, you go. Someone's getting a bar mitzvah, you go. You just right. go. I mean, right. and, and all of us are up and down the East Coast from Maine all the way to Florida. But like, I don't know if that's something you've ever dealt with too you don't have a i'll be there i'm just gonna come no i don't do that no yeah and i think part of it is it's two i think that's two-sided number one is that it's the fact that we never really did that and whenever we did in in my family it's very close so that was just a it's like we're an extended family family. right so it's just your family i mean meaning it's an extended family as in like when you go to a party everybody's there so it's not like we are just going. It's like our family. So there was that. And it was constant and it's still happening where it doesn't ever end. Every weekend we got together, every weekend, all the time. And I think that when I 
left, it was great to not have to have that. And then after that, I never, you know, now thinking about it, I never felt comfortable with the white culture because I don't know what the rules are. Like for us, when we have a party, the party's at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. People don't show up till 8.30. What the fuck? And then what? it doesn't end until 2 in the morning. What the fuck that's are you what our That's what our parties are like. And then here in the United States, we were always surprised because it was like, the party's at 5 and it's from 5 to 7. And yeah. then we would show up and it was like over at 7. We're like, what the? Yeah. It's over? Yeah. What? And so then like, it was a little shocking. So we were just like, wow, that was different and and so we i i didn't know what the rules were nobody ever taught me the rules of being in the in the way that the united states people have parties yeah that's (laughs) our parties are forever for like just whatever and everybody like it's it's completely different and unending there is no end to our parties it just i don't know if i could gradually finishes out so that was just the beginning of it. And and I never really felt comfortable. Like, honestly, like with everybody that brought me over to their house, I would just sit on the couch and be like, mm, can I touch all this stuff? It was so nice and so beautiful and so mm-hmm. like clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my house was never like that. And so I didn't know what I could touch, how, where to go, like the bathroom, like should I move? So I was just like, I don't want to be a part of it. The yeah. end of it. Um, that but said, that's a though, very convenient way to never make a mistake, never put anything on the line. Exactly. Yeah. And nobody ever made me. Right. You were nobody just like, said, fuck it. I just won't around. be a part of this. Exactly. I'm just not going to I'm not going to do it. And so when people get married or anything that happens in their life, like I was just like, eh, you went to so many different weddings. I have never attended a friend's them. wedding. What? I've never attended a friend's wedding. Just so you know, I mean, he's five. I've never been a bridesmaid. In eight years, you're going to have to attend Isaac's Bar Mitzvah. So you may as well prepare now. I'll tell you all the things. I'll give you every, like, you know, instruction, what to wear, what to bring, what to gift, what to do. But you're going to have to come because that's what friends do. You, Your whole family. Hunter and May, too. I totally get that. I mean, you just were protecting yourself. And I totally get that. It makes sense. It really does. What about your daughters, though? Right. They are I'm I'm hoping that they are. Do they not make like friends me. easily? Are they yes. not like you? Oh yeah, they're not like me at all. They're so like they have friends. friends. Obsessed. They have yeah. friends, yeah. And I mean, mind you, you have to remember when I was little, when I was their age, like I was essentially their age, like my family was their age when we moved to this country. So I I cannot imagine grabbing my children when they have all of their friends and all this stuff moving to a completely different country where they cannot speak the language and start over at this age yeah that's what my brothers and i had to do like my daughter right now is like a little older than like maymay is going to be now as old as i was i was nine and so that puts on like a whole other layer where you're starting elementary school yeah. where I used to go to school. It was the whole school from like kindergarten to you graduate in one school. That's how we did things in El Salvador when I was there. Mm-hmm. So coming here, all of a sudden starting school at fourth grade and knowing that and then you have to move from then sixth grade. Then I started middle school at seventh, you know, when I was in seventh grade and mm-hmm. seventh. Through, and then we moved again. To a completely different place. So I lost all those friends and started again in high school. I was a new girl in high school again. Yeah. 
So it's like Aww. new girl elementary, new girl middle school, new girl high school. I and my parents didn't let me speak on the phone. Like so, there's like a lot of different things like that. Where now, when my, my actually May May just texted me, <laughs> she said, "Mama, can I call Lucas?" And Aww, see, I nice. want them to have the skills, like those little simple things. Mm-hmm. My mom was being very protective of me, so I couldn't talk on the phone. Right. I don't know why. Like, what would that have she, hurt, they, right? They wouldn't allow me to talk on the phone. And so I never learned how to yeah. talk on the phone with somebody. <laughs> right. Like about anything. Yeah. Right? It's I never learned. It's awkward. You're Yeah, it's off. awkward. <laughs> so... I'm just trying to think what if I tried to tell my teenage girls that they couldn't talk on the phone. I would like to know how far they would tell me to go take a flying But it leap. didn't matter to her because she didn't have – she didn't cultivate friendships anyway. So she right. didn't give a fuck if she and, talked on the yeah. phone. And also right. think about this, John, you from know, the perspective I would have killed my doing... parents in their sleep. Yeah, my kids would have done the same thing. Yeah. I think the other thing too is the fact that if if you're already feeling uncomfortable about doing something hard – something that is out of your comfort zone and you're really fighting for it. And you're like, I know this really sucks and I feel really awkward like I was because I'm an awkward person with other people. Right. And then I try to ask for that one thing. And the, the answer that comes back to me is no, no, you can't do it. All I do is go, okay, thank, well, that was great. Great. Now I don't have to deal with it. Right. So it like actually helps me not have to face these hard, hard things that are for me hard not for other people hard, for me hard. So it's like, if you say you can't talk to them on the phone, it's like, okay. <laughs> right? Saves me a lot of hassle. Yeah, all my daughters had phones at 10 years old. They had their own phone. Yeah. See, and again, that's a different culture there, it's John. It's a whole different, yeah, like, sure it is. I snuck the phone I was too. not, I didn't Stephanie have any. Like, she snuck the phone, I snuck the phone. I was allowed to talk on the phone, but only until 10 o'clock. So I found an old phone and I would take it up to my room. And after they went to bed, I would plug it in and call everyone and their mother. I know. I, I got in trouble for that. it a lot. Any of that stuff. But anyway, I think that we're, we've talked a lot and not to make this extra super long episode, but I think that I can say that I'm going to be giving away this book, Big Friendships, for my friends. For Christmas, I hope they're not listening. I doubt that they will be because I think I'm going to buy them and write something inside and like that'll be a good way to sort of make people feel like read these chapters. Like you like them? (laughs) Like I like them. Like they like I care about them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Cultivating friendship is very hard. I mean, like and and after Emily died, I was reclusive for sure. And then, you know, he started school and. Right. And I had to force, I mean, first of all, I was always nice to everyone, just, you know, and I'm naturally charming. So people can't resist me. But like, um, but I do, I did have to force myself, both myself and Scott. I like one of the years I made community my word of the year. And I was like, come hell or high water. I'm going to family holidays because I had been avoiding them. I'm going to parties when we're invited. I'm asking people to dinner. I'm having people over. We are doing this. We are not going to live this way anymore. Because, I mean, for a while it was hard to just – well, first of all, it's still hard. I mean, it's always hard. But, like – but that's the key. The thing in the – not even just the thing in the book of having a best friend, but, like, having a community is so important. I will give you an example – and we can wrap it up after this. But like I have a friend 
my friend Erica, who, whose daughter's in Isaac's class, she has breast cancer, metastatic breast mm. cancer. This week or in the last couple of weeks, she's had horrible back issues. I think she has a hole through one of her vertebrae from cancer already, but like she has a herniated disc or something. She can't walk. She can't move. And like, she's just always in pain. You know, she, she has a group where she updates on her progress, you know, on her medicines and what's going on with her. And like the other day, it was just, it was just awful. So I, so I all, we have a little Facebook messenger group with her in it. And I took everyone except her and made a separate group and called it the Erica Posse. And I was like, what can we do? To make her life easier because you know no one's making dinner there. I don't know if the husband does. I mean, I think he can cook and there's only one kid. So I know they're not being, they're not neglecting her, but like, does she need housework? Does she need groceries? Does she need someone to take Izzy for a little right. while? Like, what does she need? And the, and the women were all like, where can I send them? You know, there's something here in Delaware called Wing Mom where mm-hmm. you give, you give them money and they come and do all the things for you. So they were very generous. They set up an account for us and we can just add money to it as we need. And now if Erica needs groceries, she can call someone. She doesn't have to do it or feel like it's not getting done. Whatever's not getting done, which we don't know because we didn't ask, is just right. going to get done. And like, I don't know, there's like nine, you know, we've had mom's dinners and like I always make sure I try to go. And this is like, I mean, I don't want to say like this is why, but like this is kind of why because when one of you needs something, the other people can pick up what you can't do. And God forbid you ever need that kind of help. But sometimes you just do. And then what? Yeah. You know? Agreed. That's good to have a community. That's It's the community that's important. I mean, the friendships, I don't know. I, I, I'm happy just having you as my closest friend for the most part. But I like having – it's also nice to go to stuff like – with people I enjoy their company. They may not be my bestest, bestest friends, but like, you know, school's going to be weird because it's a lot of it's going to be virtual and like, it's good to have friends with kids in his class. You know, it's just good to like someone when you have to be with them a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. This is ending very awkwardly and I don't know why. Maybe because I brought up <laughs> cancer and death. Yeah, that's uh, not a good way to... Yes. But anyway, if anybody has any feedback for us, we would love it if you both, you know, maybe tweeted out or tagged our guests from Call Your Girlfriend because it would be awesome to see how impactful or if you get the book, right, how impactful this book is for you guys and for what it has done or maybe it can do for you or if something has come up, send us feedback, feedback at sheetpodcasts.com. I just thought of something. What? I wonder if my friendships, the many of them, is doing the the same thing that you're doing by not having them. If you have enough and they're all not deep relationships, you don't have to make a mistake. You don't have to commit. You mm. don't have to hurt anyone or be hurt yourself. It might just be the same thing, just in a different way. Yeah, it's just a different – it's a different way to deal with yeah. my own inadequacy as a human. Same. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, we'd love to hear what you think. <laughs> About the book. Yeah. Like she said, go to feedback at ShePodcast.com. You can go to ShePodcast.com and give us your audio feedback. We would just love to hear it. Like what you thought of the interview, what you think of the concept of having a big friendship like Elsie and I have, like Amatu and Anne have, and the shine theory. Because I do think that yep. She Podcast itself is all shine theory. It's all shine theory. It, it's, it all started from shine theory. And we it, might talk about that at some other Yeah, we should because our friendship is mostly shine it. theory too. And that's actually, you know, like I've never been jealous of anything she's ever gotten and always just been like, Elsie! 
okay. Elsie gets all the things. Like, I only want her to have all the things. And I've never, ever been. I'm only jealous when she knows things before me. That does kind of peeve me out. Yeah. Because it's just not fair. It's more about knowledge than. Yes. It's not about our friendship. Anyway, yeah. So please go to our website, shepodcast.com. Go to feedback at shepodcast.com. And actually, we can just go ahead and close it out. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at shepodcast.com. You can also go to our merch, shepodcast.shop, and get yourself a t-shirt or something fun with our logo on it because you're a part of this whole thing just like the rest of us. And so you deserve to be proud and show off. And with that, I guess I'll say thank you for listening. Love you. Mean it. Bye.